Welcome to Corizant Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Chris Stegner. Chris Stegner is the co-founder and CEO of Very Big Things, an award-winning digital products design and development firm focused on digital transformation and disruption. Chris launched his first startup, 3D Studio Max Worldwide, at the age of 13 and has since assisted in launching hundreds of digital products for some of the world's most recognized companies and government institutions. Stegner has helped countless startups succeed from many angles, including serving as the chief technology officer, founder, consultant, and a former venture capitalist firm partner. Chris received the 2017 Technology Entrepreneur of the Year Award by the Greater Miami Chamber of Commerce, and in 2018, he co-founded Very Big Things. Well, good afternoon, Chris. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's amazing, Chris. Thanks for jumping on. And I know we've had to coordinate schedules to get this going, but I really love this part of my day of, is recording a podcast with a brand new guest. So thanks again. And we're going to jump right into the questions, Chris. So Chris, looking at your background, you've got quite the career in technology, being a partner, a chief technology officer, and now you're the founder and CEO of Very Big Things, which is really interesting to me. Could you share with our audience the secret to your career growth and what inspires you? Yeah, so great question. When it comes to career growth, I've narrowed it down to, to mainly one thing, which is constantly just refocusing on the things that matter most. So even if I were to say, you know, very big things, like you mentioned, when we were very first starting, we we're saying, how are we going to make this thing everything that we want it to be? And everything we want it to be is the best digital products agency in the world. And it's like, okay, so how do you do that? There's 4,000 options, but at the end of the day, we basically boiled it down to three. And that was, you know, having incredibly happy clients, legacy worthy, like exceptional products, and just a really happy internal team. And we basically said, if we just focus on those three things, then everything else in the world should work out. And it has, you know, there's, there's definitely times where those three things were pushed to a breaking point, but we, we stuck with them because it, because we did keep it simple, you know, and because that it kept us on the right rails and, and it's allowed us just to grow like crazy. But I think the same thing goes with, with really anything. I mean, think about what it is you're trying to achieve. Think about what it is you're trying to do and then boil it down to what the most important ingredients are. And then just keep the focus on those things and just keep doing that because more and more things will keep finding their way in and just keep kind of uh, every once in a while saying, okay, now what are, what are the most important things? And just keep clearing your plate so you can focus on the most important stuff. Something I mentioned a, a number of times before too, and this is brought up is you know just the power of overcoming obstacles. It seems like I'll see a number of people these days where you know, everything's going fine until they hit an obstacle and then they just don't know how to get past it. And then they say, well, I, you know, I can't do anything until this obstacle gets removed. So I'll just wait for that obstacle to get removed and then we'll keep moving forward. That could be like receiving funding or this or that or whatever their problem is. Simply being able to say, I've hit an obstacle. Now let's just keep trying to find ways and ways and ways to get past that obstacle. There's usually about 400 ways to get past it, even if it feels like there isn't one. If you keep pushing that, I've found that's probably one of the, the biggest driving factors of people I've seen that have end up being successful. And then I think you mentioned like inspiring, right? So what gets me out of bed every day is definitely the clients we're working with, what we're building for them, you know, whether it's helping a large enterprise company to just become more and more successful and keep tons of people employed there and watch them kind of, you know, revamp what they're doing and, and find new success. We're watching a startup that starts as one person getting tens of millions of funding and so forth. Like all of those stories are great. 
as I'm sure you can imagine, like tons of fun to be a part of. And, and I'm fortunate to get to do that every day. But then also the, the products we're creating were pretty over the top with the level of quality we expect and the types of products we like to produce. So just being a part of that every day and seeing what we're producing. Like I said earlier, they should be legacy worthy. And I feel like they are, <laughs> you know, like as part of my legacy, every day I'm coming in and being like, yeah, I was a part of that thing. You know, this goes back to like I just said, you know, keeping things simple, focus on your three things. So it's who we work with, what we're doing, and then taking care of our own team. So seeing our own team thrive internally is a huge point of, of inspiration and happiness for me. Absolutely, Chris. I appreciate that. Our audience would totally love that. Your insights, especially now, we've got a big webinar coming up next week. It's about being agile, just like you said, and, and this gig economy we live in and having that foresight to keep moving on no matter what obstacles in front of you. So thanks for sharing that. We're going to jump into question two, Chris. You know, as you know, everybody globally has had to make major shifts to adapt to this new normal during the pandemic. Could you share with us what you're doing to help your company stay relevant in this economy? Yeah, I mean, being completely honest, we're very fortunate. I mean, we had already focused our entire business two and a half years ago when we started on the idea of doing two things. One was helping startups to be very disruptive, and the other one is helping our enterprise clients to be very transformative. Those two things both lent themselves to the current situation. I, I have a lot of friends that own other businesses that have been really hit hard by this, and, and I feel for them, and I just feel eternally grateful for the fact of our position in this. At the end of the day, the clients that we were working with, you know, the, the, the startups and the enterprise companies, they were both thriving when COVID happened because, you know, we'd been working with them for over a year to digitally transform or to be in a digital space. So all of a sudden, you know, this hits and they're well positioned for it. On top of that, as I'm sure you can imagine, we've had just tons and tons of companies start coming to us basically saying, well, hey, can you do the same thing for us that, that you've done for your other clients? Because now we need to adjust to this. So we were just in a perfect spot for this storm. I, I definitely wish that it had never happened, but at the same time, we're fortunate for our employees and for ourselves that we were in the right spot kind of at the right time. But I mean, to that point, you know, as, as far as digital transformation goes, like I mentioned, that's something that we've already been doing. We've been helping our, our companies figure out how to automate the processes, increase the size of their market, how to just use technology to make their business better, but to make their product offerings better, but also how to live in an online world, you know, a, a world where people aren't going to a brick and mortar, how to adjust to that and use technology. So like, like I mentioned, I'm probably beating this one to death, but we're just very fortunate to be in a good spot at the time. Thanks for sharing that, Chris. I appreciate it. And like you said, there is some silver lining out of this. It's unfortunate for a lot of businesses and people kind of shut down right now, but I think it's really given us, the human race, mankind, a challenge. And we've really overcome a lot of the challenges. I think it's a good test for us in a way. So thank you for sharing. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say to that point, you know, the transformation we're seeing, I think was inevitable. It was going to happen over the next couple of years anyways. In a way, this has just been a forcing effect to kind of get things to where they needed to be, you know? Absolutely. You're absolutely right on that. Kind of force the hand. So Chris, this is the big question uh, I like to get into personally is I'm a technologist by trade, chief technology officer, but are you leveraging any new or emerging technologies within your tech stack? Anything specific you can share with our audience maybe? For sure. So there's there's a, a number of things. And some things will sound initially counterintuitive and some things will sound like they just make tons of sense. So... <laughs> 
On our front end, we've actually been leaning heavy into a technology called ClojureScript, which we use as kind of like a, a super language of JavaScript. And it, it's just simply allowed us to develop drastically faster, but also at a more enterprise level. We can build with JavaScript at the same level that you would have with other kind of higher end languages. But on top of that, we've also built out our own like open source framework called Kichma. Our, our CTO created it about five years ago and has been working on it ever since. And we just keep iterating that to where now we're, we're able to really produce amazing front ends very quickly. And as I mentioned, very scalable and, and at an enterprise level, which is awesome. But past that, you know, even more recently, and this is more towards you as a technologist, you know, like there's been areas where we're looking at, you know, the, the more traditional microservices, but also areas where we're starting to say, how do we couple things more, which is usually, you know, against all the rules you would go with. Obviously, most of the time we're still looking at decoupling everything, but now we're pushing things further and further with technology to where we're saying, well, how far can this be pushed? And we're finding some of the answers that actually require us to do certain parts of the experience as a more coupled experience from the front end code and the back end code, but it's all with this initiative of saying, well, how much further can we push the experience for the end user? How great can that be? And sometimes a slight technology cost in order to produce, you know, experience better than anything else that anybody else has offered can also be like a good trade-off rather than just always saying, you know, how can we just simply make it as performant as possible or so forth? So it's like I said, it sounds counterintuitive, but in the right instances, it can really help to create something that's better than anything that's ever been done before. And then past that, you, you know, we, we also invested in pretty big into Elixir, uh, which is based on Erlang, which was not a, a hugely used product for a long time, but it scales to massive levels. So you keep hearing me say enterprise, but at the end of the day, we work with both enterprise clients and startups. But when we're building for startups, the idea is that we want to build them something that when they have success with it, it's ready to roll. It's not like, okay, you've built an MVP and now people are wanting it and now people are excited about it. So now that people actually want to use it, let's go and rebuild it. Then spend the months rebuilding it in a, in a language that will scale. Instead, we, we dove on with uh, Erlang and Elixir to make these systems that were just massively scalable. So it works both with our enterprise clients, but also sets the startups up for success from the get-go. And we dove into that. There's actually a, a gentleman named Sasha Jurek who wrote the Manning Press book on Elixir. We said like, hey, we want to be the best in the world at this. So let's just hire the guy who literally wrote the book and have him come on and, and train our team and keep him up to snuff. And so now he's, he's been part of our team for about a year and a half, just you know, doing code reviews and, and helping us write all of our standards and everything so that literally every piece that we, we write is always as scalable and performant as possible. But the last thing I'll say is, I mean, we've always been huge into JavaScript and, uh, and we've been using that a lot with, you know, React and React Native. Obviously, React is pretty much the winner across the board on front-end frameworks, I'd say, these days. But we're also seeing amazing things with using React Native to create mobile apps and native apps. Very few things, if anything, that I'm finding that we aren't able to accomplish just as good with React Native as any other you know, more traditional language with the obvious payoff of one code base for both iOS and Android, which is a huge, huge win there. And then I would say one last thing I'd say, just as I mentioned, like we've been doing JavaScript at an extremely high level for a long time. 
And once some of these different WebGL graphics libraries started coming out, we pretty early on started asking ourselves, well, we know JavaScript really well, and that's what WebGL is based in. So what types of graphics can we do on a web browser? And all of a sudden, we've, we started really kind of setting the bar on what could be done with like web-based virtual reality, now with web-based augmented reality before there was any frameworks coming out for that. And that's still really early technology that I think is gonna get used more and more because the beautiful thing with web-based VR and web-based AR is you just, you aren't going through the experience of having to download something, you know? And, and that can be such a, a big block for a number of the use cases, especially for like virtual reality and, and augmented reality, where often people are wanting to use it for marketing or like, hey, picture this chair in your living room or whatever. And the idea of like, then at that point, having to have them download an app to, for that experience, it's just not a realistic one. So, you know, anytime we can bring things back to the web and to an experience that's just very accessible, we love giving it a shot. Thanks for sharing, Chris. I appreciate that. And that does give myself and, and the audience some insights on what people are doing out there. So again, thank you. And Chris, last question, and this is where my audience would like to learn more about you. Can you share something from your career experience that would be helpful for those looking to grow their career in technology or entrepreneurship? Yeah. I talk to my seven-year-old daughter about these things very often. So I know pretty good answers to these. One thing I, I talk with her about all the time is putting in your 10,000 hours. You know, I think it's such an important thing. And I think along with that comes the ability to allow yourself to fail. Because if, if you're thinking of that failure, not as a failure, but as time put towards the amount of time you really need to put in to, to know what you're doing, then all of a sudden it's not a failure. It's just like, okay, cool. You know, I'm, I'm chipping away at my 10,000 hours. And by that, I mean, you know, there's this there's a number of documentation out there basically saying, to become an expert at anything in the world, you have to put 10,000 hours towards it. And I truly do believe that. I think by the time you get 10,000 hours in, you're ready to do just about anything. So just start chipping away as early as humanly possible. Try to think of what it is that you want to be great at in life and just start chipping away at it. And if things don't go your way, that's all right. Just keep pushing if it's what you really want. You know, we talked about it earlier, but I can't say enough. Find some very simple things and stay focused on them. The rule we like to keep is three things. Find three main objectives, like I said once again for ourselves. It's happy clients, exceptional products, and a happy team. Figure out what your three things are for whatever it is you're doing. Stay focused on those. If you try to think of like 20 or 30, you're just going to get lost. And then the, the last one, and, and probably the, the most important in my mind, is always keeping a, a long-term mindset. It's very easy to think short-term on things like, hey, this will get us some money tomorrow, so let's just do this. Or, oh, this will get this finished faster, so let's just do that. And my experience, quality always reigns supreme over quantity. And that quality usually comes from putting effort into it. You know, Whether that's with a business like, like ours, where we're saying, okay, well, what do we want to be seven years from now? And then let's just keep reinvesting towards that versus trying to make a, a short win, you know, or, or taking on a client that maybe doesn't make sense. Just always keep in mind what you're really trying to achieve. Make it a long-term goal, make it something big and ambitious, and then just start moving towards that and don't sell out along the way. <laughs> don't go the cheap and easy path. That's the stuff that I think should help people the most. Well, Chris, I certainly appreciate that. There's a lot of good chunk of a nugget of wisdom anyway, that will definitely resonate with many of our readers on this podcast. So I really appreciate that. And Chris, lastly, I just want to say it was a pleasure having you on today. And I look forward to speaking with you real soon. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>